Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. This week we're going to talk cover crops and what to do with termination as we get into plant 2023. In our spotlight, we'll take a look at the 76th Alice in Dairyland Finals. Ag History Minute, we're going to talk about some interesting discoveries made in a soybean field this year. Cool Beans, that's corny. We'll have some current events and we'll wrap things up with a Field Good Friday. With me today are Bill Schaumburg. Hey, guys. Max Garvey. Hey, what's up, everybody? <laughs> oh, fumble. <laughs> Todd Schaumburg. Hey to all the tilties out there. You can say hey to all the tilties out there. I wasn't going to say hey. I, yeah. I, don't know what I, I don't know what was going on in my brain there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So everybody know who they are now? We've, we've established we're not going to steal each other's catchphrases. What's we? up, everybody? Only 184 up? in, and we're What's making, up, everybody? Yeah, wheels are falling off. What's up, how, everybody? How come when spring starts, even when you're not planting, it's almost like harder than planting? Like, you're less busy, so you'd think you'd be ready, more ready for a late spring when it comes, but it's it's not. It's still the same amount of stress and work and whatever, There's and you didn't even hardly plant anything yet. There's a fever pitch, like, right as planting's about to begin. Like, it really Ooh, gets amped up. It, and right. then when they start planting, everything kind of calms down for a couple of days because everybody's in the planner working like and then right after they're done then it picks back, back up. up but You're there's right. like we're right at the tipping point here where we're about to hit a little bit of a like their phones don't work i think when the planner's running i think that's how it works <laughs> or they're too busy looking at the 32 monitors in there yeah dude it's like a spaceship inside these I've tractors just, i've decided it's way harder to not plant than to just plant like because you're all geared up for it but you don't know It'd be like gearing, like basically you're gearing up for a marathon, but you don't know what day you're going to run that marathon. <laughs> you know, so you're like, oh, like, it's a okay, I've been, I've been training, you know, I'm getting ready. And you know, okay, like, the weather looks good for, they might do the marathon Friday. I don't, I don't know. The weather looks pretty good that day. That Maybe that'll be the marathon day. But and then, and then so, you start doing the, like, run a mile and they're like, yeah, maybe the marathon it's tomorrow. <laughs> so you say, tomorrow. it's not, not ready to, yet. Not to carbo load, but then it comes. And I, you're like, oh, right. I ate like crap last night. Now I feel like crap as I get started. So it's like basically getting ready for a marathon every day, not every day, but kind of every week you're re getting ready for that marathon. Then it rains and then you're like, okay, 364 more hockey season. And you just want to run the marathon <laughs> or just, just isn't let me run quite ready, right? Like, oh, it looks good, but I got to wait one more day. So right. I got a quarter mile in and better stop because it just got stuck. And no, and, and I think the average pe- person would think, like, what do you mean? You just wait. Like, it's not that hard. It's like waiting is way harder. Like, way harder. Are we there you yet? It's got it. Yeah. Are we there yet? At least so it's a marathon harder. where you don't have to crap yourself. <laughs> well, you can get you don't inside know that. Uh, you don't know yes. that. I hope not. The, it, That's, if you start planning after May 15th, the smell I of that tractor, you if you should. Yeah, we talked about that last week, Matt. Like, you got to get out. Todd said, I hope you have yeah, a small bladder that, yeah. so you get out and check your check planter. It. Then put your other infro yes. fertilizer down <laughs> as you're outside the, the planter. I hope you don't have enough to <laughs> for planting season of that. It's just one spot. The corn will do really well right in that one spot. I've always uh, wondered that, like, if you put a flag and you peed every week in the same <laughs> spot, how much better would the corn be there? Just get one of those free flagging kits, and that's actually what you're tracking. Not emergence, but I'm tracking where I urinated in the field. Yeah. Well, well, Todd can can uh, help me out here. We did have a tree outside our house when I was growing up. That the potty tree. Yeah, me. I've gotten four boys, 
for lots of years, and that tree didn't last like the rest of them. Mm. Sad. There's a lion of too much. Was it the tree or the lilac bush? The tree. The lilac bush survived the tornado. So, <laughs> like, yes, the thing's okay. Very nice. So, how, how much you guys got done? You guys got any corn in the ground yet? None? So, Southern Wisconsin's going, like... You probably have won. Yeah. You probably have won in this little four-person match here. I think I got about 100 acres in. I got more than that, but yeah. not a lot more. No. It's not... It's not flying. It's not but, flying. But it's going to be. Like, I feel like we're Saturday. at that. Yeah. Saturday. Oh, Friday, dude. Yeah. Friday, Saturday. So. It depends on you know, this projected precipitation here. They kind of keep jerking it around. What yeah. It's right. Be. They switch it out. And first, it was like Saturday, Sunday, both. Then it was just Sunday. Then it was like Tuesday. Now it was back to like overnight Saturday night. Just last, I think I saw. So is there a dartboard at the National Weather Service? They're just I, I think so. Well, on Monday I was checking during the rain, and it went anywhere from where I was that day went anywhere from two tenths projected to one point eight inches oh. throughout the day, like it just back and yeah. forth. So yeah, yep. We had we were really the we were deciding to cancel baseball, right? Because oh yeah, it's Monday night and like the fields were fine. But at three o'clock, I looked at the at the projected forecast, and it was supposed to rain so, until eight. Yep. So we're like, okay, the fields aren't great, but we're, we have to make a call at some point, right? So at three forty-five, we made the call, cut her down because that's it's going right to rain until eight. Raining. I looked yeah. at four fifteen, and it yeah, like it stopped raining, oh. and the projected forecast was like Classic. no more rain. Yeah. yeah, it was like if I yeah, so. I feel your pain, Max. As of right now, during this recording, it's a slight chance of rain Saturday night into Sunday. That's that's, that's all there that's is it. in the forecast for the immediate area of Seymour. So, Mother's Day just looks like it's going to be a beast of a day. Fifty-five degrees and rain. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Do something fun for mom outside. I was huh? just going to say though, like Mother's Day during planting, just all, like every year, it seems like. Why can't you flip that with Father's Day or something like that? It it just seems like a different. But if it's raining and you can't be in the fields anyway, it's good gonna, for it's right, good for Mother's Day. For mothers, they'll be happy. I mean, Mother Nature, she decides. So well, she's just, taking she's, the day off. That's yeah, why it's you're right. we're in the middle. We're we're in summer right now, and we're gonna have winter again for just for Mother's Day. I got the perfect solution for you, Max. If it's oh, really yeah. bad weather on Mother's Day, just take her to the Brewers game. They will play no matter what. You no. trying to sell tickets or what? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> it's the, it's gonna be nice inside. Mom might not want to watch baseball, but they got a pitch clock now. Le- at least it's, it's a faster, faster game. Man. Yeah, it won't be a four and a half hour game. Yeah, well, I don't think I can sell that one, but <laughs> yeah. okay, right, I'll no. try. You don't think I'll try? Give me options. Yeah, give me options. Well, we can't do we can't do the world famous Doxby's Mother Day brunch anymore. Ooh, so no. For the last like ten years, you can't. But you know, it still hurts. Well, you still got Colonial House and Freedom, right? You go Romy's on Mother's Day, baby. Are they still do is that where brunch? it's at? I don't know. Romy's used to be where it was at when I was every a kid. mother would want to go to a place with the steer on the roof. <laughs> Just you know, that's how you know it's good. Yes, Colonial House does have a Mother's Day brunch going. See, uh, Hotel Seymour closed on Mother's Day, so you can't oh, take yeah. mom out for a steak. 
Too bad. Apparently, there must be too many moms working at the hotel. They had to shut her down. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that doesn't shock me. I'm not going to lie to you. But, yeah, you know, see what happens, I guess. All right. You're going to get into our main topic for today? You better believe it. All right, Max, what do you got for us? Well, um, you know, when we get into this, into planting an actual, you know, growing season, we do a lot of stuff that's the topical reference for the week. I don't know if I, that, I said that right. But basically, the things that are pressing problems currently. And this week, I had a lot of discussions about cover crops and manure and termination and and kind of what we're going to do going forward. So Todd and I got to have this discussion this week about how we're finding more and more with cover crops. You can make all the plans you want. You're still going to end up flying by the seat of your pants because they are unpredictable. And that's putting it lightly. And then you add in the the uh, conflict with the weather and it makes it even more unpredictable. You really don't know what you're going to get yourself into. I would say that weather is the biggest factor in their unpredictability because they went from zero to 60 this week with having sure. adequate moisture and now heat. It's like, yep, open season, let's roll. And then add if you got manure oh, on them before. Right, extra fertilization. Right. Because that's what happened to some of mine. We got the manure on 10 days ago, and now they're like just loving it. So, so we have all these good intentions in December when we make these plans, or even you know in October when we're planting them. We're like, man, we're going to you know, plant green, and we're going to kill it, and it's only going to be six inches tall. Well, we're past that, and we haven't really started planting yet. So it's kind of changing. And there's a lot of there's a lot of ways that you have to kind of work through this, and probably like the first thing that everybody talks about is um, if that if especially rye, right? That's the main thing we're killing right now is a rye cover crop, right? Um, if that rye's half dead, it wraps on the planter, and it it uh, what's the word we're using this morning, Bill? Hairpins, hairpinning, hairpinning, hair yep. yeah. Um, and how much do we? How much fight is there in that? And I'll. The way I've sussed this out this week is, number one, we're trying to kill it early before we get the stem elongation. That should eliminate a lot of the hairpinning potential because it's that super fleshy leaf material versus that long, stringy, kind of solid stem. Ligniny stem. Ligniny stem. There let's, you go. Let's talk about that. Is I think that's, as we work with these cover crops, that is the biggest part is... In that part, when you switch from vegetative growth to more reproductive growth... Which is happening today. Yeah, yeah. On Today. some of these rye fields, yes. And you get that more sort of woody stem, basically what you'd picture, you know, what straw would be like yep. out there. You get a lot of problems in hairpinning. You get, we could talk more about C to N ratio that changes, so your carbon to nitrogen yep. ratio starts to change at that point. So that is a tricky part when you're going into corn, especially. Maybe beans, not as much, but especially into corn of knowing what your goals are of that cover crop and making sure you're you're terminating it when you want to so that you don't have problems not not too late where you're basically already going to have problems and you probably should have just waited and plant green then there's that line of my yeah. line's about 8 to 12 inches is that line that you try to get it sprayed before that cuz it seems like then you can handle it better where if it gets up to 16 or more then it's just you might as well plant green, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of there's a lot of debate on, and my I, what I've noticed is in the fall or in the winter when we're having these discussions, it's like, man, we let that get too tall this year. Next year we can't let that happen, and then we get here and we're not planted yet, but it's starting to get away from us, you know, all that stuff, and trying to balance that out. 
is difficult and there's a lot of opinions involved a lot of times about what the best way to do it is and to be honest at the end of the day there's going to be a fight somewhere you just got to decide which one you want to have right there's going to be a problem no matter what you do right one you're every time you gain something you lose something somewhere else that's how this work this game is played so you got to decide which loss you're willing to take because there there is going to be one somewhere it's the planner guy is going to be upset because it's wrapping more or we're not going to get to plant green. Do we lose? Do we lose some of our moisture pulling capacity from the rye or whatever? Whatever that is, you're going to lose somewhere. You got to be okay with. You got to make sure you're okay with the part that you're. Gonna or you've lose killed on. it too soon, so that we don't have the ground cover we want, or we don't have the microactivity going long enough. Right. The one thing you can change, you can't change the weather and how it's going to react in the spring, but you can change your seeding rate. And if you're going to plant into it, and not harvest it. You, can jack Back that down, down. way down seating rate and and honestly seating application i right. don't think so we need to be drilling drill. 50 pounds of rye anymore i just it doesn't seem like it i what i am struggling with that is planting a crop a harvestable crop if you're going to harvest it for forage i'm like yeah yeah plant it at the correct rate but when we're having a cover crop these rates need to be way lower and you can spin it on then you don't need to drill it and i agree with that as part of this problem is is as farmers, we like to see a good, healthy, bountiful crop. And in our cover crops, I mean, we want it good and healthy, but the bountiful part, you, you don't want a whole bunch of stuff out there that you got to deal with either. You need some of that. Obviously, that's the goal. Yeah. Is to get enough that's manageable, but not too much that makes it just unmanageable. So one of the biggest considerations are hiccups or whatever you want to call it is this, this year for me has been manure application and how we're working that in right so we're trying to do maybe um rather than going and doing fourteen thousand gallons incorporated manure in the spring we're trying to do maybe six thousand in the fall and six thousand in the spring surface applied onto a green growing cover right that that would be the i don't know what do you say the eco-friendly or the soil health friendly or you can you can do say you're doing it for whatever reason you want right but that's kind of a trend that is happening a little bit more we can't really surface apply on a green cover if you sprayed it off before you apply. That's then it's not really a green cover anymore. Right. So you kind of kind of lose that. So you, <laughs> I know on one one specific case we're waiting for the manure to get on, so we can't spray it even though we I would have loved to a week ago or two weeks ago. But you know we want to do the surface application. So balancing that out, and again in December you're sure it's going to all fit together. It just, it doesn't sometimes, you know, the manure hauler gets tied up or it gets too wet or it gets too, you know, all those things go on. So Max, you and I had this conversation earlier this week of, we made all these in past years, you know, we're new to cover crops, we're learning, but as each year we go on, we say like, well, I don't want to fly by the seat of my pants next year. I want to have it like figured out. And then we get in the year, and it still feels like you're flying by the seat of your pants with it. And then you haven't figured out to fly by the seat of your pants. Kind of, and that's I, the more I'm. It's exactly what I said to Todd. Is and I'm not. I'm not saying I'm like the world's greatest agronomist or the most experienced, but I know two, three, four years ago, as I was getting started, every time we had a conversation, I had to call. Like I would call you guys and discuss it, and be like, you know, I'd make the decision, but then I wanted right away. I want to be like, well, am I sure I'm making the right decision? And now I'm as I'm flying by the seat of my pants still. I at least feel confident in the decisions that are being made. What I think it does do, though, guys, is think about like conventionally, like we harvest, we chisel plow, it's brown, and then we like, what do you do? Oh, you just field cultivate, I, and you got this nice brown field that. It's exactly what we talk about: is nothing tillage is the eraser. Yeah, like, it makes 
And, and that's part of the, the thing. equalizer. Yeah, it the equalizer is a great term that it it is part of the reason why the adoption of cover crops is hard is because you know that when you're when you're doing it that way where it's just you know brown in the fall and then right. you work at brown in the spring you don't got to worry about you we, know burn down like you would on no till you don't got to worry about, you know a lot of those I, things and so even for us for like scouting is i've changed how i scout i mean right. guys that have cover crop no till you you got to be out there early scouting and checking and seeing okay you know, are the dandelions bad, which like this year is a lot of dandelions, it seems. So we're looking at what do we got to add for burn down to catch those. Or you got, you know, we left the beans no-till and we're going to VT it and then we're going to plant. Okay, we're doing a VT. We shouldn't have to add Roundup to the... Right. Yep, because the VT doesn't take those dandelions get out or whatever else is there. Like, yeah, it, it does. I, see, I feel like it takes our year and it shifts it to a little heavier... Spring, yep. pre-scouting if you will on those fields that because of every field is different every geography is different we the four of us work in all types of different like geographies so in Gillette the cover crop is going to be different than in <laughs> Watertown right oh yeah the 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 long and short of this conversation I think comes down to is like this year for me personally I feel like I spent more time talking about planting and plans on certain farms than I ever have before. I mean, like five, six, seven, eight, you know, weekly meetings all winter and discussing the same thing, the same plans over and over again. And we are a week into planting. And you know what? You might as well light those on fire because we are, we, it's different, right? So as much as you say you don't want to fly by the seat of your pants, and I do still think it's good to plan, right? you need to be fully prepared and you don't need to put it all on paper, your whole preparedness, because you would never... There's not enough paper in the world to have all those scenarios figured out, but you need to be prepared to be flying by the seat of your pants in May. It's going to happen somewhere. may not be all your acres, and it may not be every year, but it's going to happen. I think that's one thing with a system with cover crops is it is a higher level management system. It's not like, not that guys don't think that they're high level managers with tillage, but this is adapting and making plan A, B, C, D being ready for eventualities and then adapting. The biggest thing you know, we talked about was lowering seeding rates. The other thing you can do is mix in something that's where part of it's going to die over winter and part doesn't, so then you have less to come on in the spring. There's, there are ways of doing it, but it, has, it takes a level of management of planning ahead even before you start in fall, let alone what's going to happen in spring. And so it it is a different way of, of thinking, and it takes time to get into that mindset of, okay, I'm just going to do rye. Everybody else is doing rye. It's fine. And then all of a sudden, 90 pounds of rye, thick, <laughs> nice green jungle, and it's like, oh, well, I wish I had animals to feed this to or, you know, the capability of harvesting this. So, yeah, it it, it is just, a, yeah, it's a higher level of managing your field. It's more even, to an extent, micromanaging part aspects of how you're going to run your your operation would you say you're getting mycorrhizal fungi by micro micromanaging micromanaging for your mycorrhizal fungi sure <laughs> that's the goal todd you're right and i think the other thing is so, so many guys are afraid to plant green like oh well, I can't get in there and then plant green it'll it's gonna mess everything up and it's like well, no you don't usually get the hair pinning with planting green you don't have as much wrapping 
with planting green. Like it's the dead biomass when you spray it off and it gets too tall. That usually causes more issues than if you would just let it go and plant green. My uh, my biggest, and um, I agree with you, planting green, man. If you can do it, it works great. My bigger issue with planting green has been in the past when it gets so tall. It gets yeah. away from you yeah. and you're like, now you're planting green into something that's three and a half feet tall. It doesn't matter what you do. When that stuff lays down, man, it's a problem. So one conversation we had, we talked about, A, how, when that stuff lays down when it's three and a half feet tall, we talked about allelopathy with rye. That was a conversation I had this week. We talked about wrapping, hairpinning, all that stuff. And they're all an issue, but you're you're going to have it. Like, I just described three completely different problems that happen at three different stages of the game. You know, so wh- which one do you want to... Which one do you want to have, I guess, is kind of take your pick. I think the thing you should have, Max, is conversation. Like, I'm stressing to farmers, have more conversations with your crop advisor, your sprayer person, your planter person, like weekly, daily, whatever those are, have more conversations about here's where I am, here's where it's changed in the last two days. Like, we need to adapt to this. As we go. More conversations versus, you know, you roll back like what we did in the wintertime is, you know, because of the equalizer of that tillage, we had our plan and you know, you just did it right. You didn't have to worry about all these other, even some of the farm, like certain farmers love planting green and you got to know that kind of that don't they they know that that's going to look like that and they're okay with it. And then other farmers that they're just not comfortable with that. And that's okay. I wouldn't want to not adopt cover crop just because you don't think you're going to plant green. So that's a part, you know, just pick a, pick a crop that dies in the fall or we terminate the rye at the proper stage that you're comfortable with. And then I think it does open up a lot of other tillage things Is because Matt brought up the above-ground biomass, and that's a good point. But what we didn't br- talk about either is the root balls that rye can oh, make yeah, as well. Try to work a rye right. field, yeah. So that's a tricky part, too, is it sometimes changes how you kill it, when you kill it, so you're not dealing with all these root balls and what you know and how that kind of tills up differently so that's another tricky part that i would say we're all still kind of learning and i when i say all i mean even farmers they're they're kind of trying to decide what maybe you're comfortable with and some guys are good with planting green you know like soybeans especially you know they're maybe used to it corn there's some other things and but if your comfort level is not that and you want to switch to something else yep. and but we're learning how to deal with all these other things. You know, like root balls. What surprised me in some scenarios is I, I never worked a lot with strip till a little bit, but I've done more work with it in the last couple of years. And I remember Todd, you and I were on a farm where they sprayed it off and then strip tilled mm-hmm. had root ball issues and it working the field, what three more times, two more times yep. at least. And now I've worked with a farm that they'll strip till green Sure. And plant into right. it. And that's way better. Like it's it's one so pass. So strip till green, spray it, and then plant into that? Or still plant? They'll, they'll still plant, but, but then it, but you have a, strip, a relatively clean strip. Right, right. So even if it does get a little bit taller and you, you spray it, it off, you've got, got that, area. that to fall over and you it's less competition for your corn, especially. Like yeah. things we don't think about or didn't know about before that we're, we can learn in these scenarios. It's because, I mean... I would have thought, yeah, spraying it and then strip tilling it would would make sense, but in this case, maybe not. Not right. We uh, last year we did an experiment and it worked okay. I'd say it was probably a little bit labor intensive for what we want to do long term. But we had some rye that got too tall. 
we you know we planted green and then we sprayed it and then we actually went out with the roller crimper after it was sprayed yep and the crimper wasn't really we weren't really using it as a termination we're more using it as we got to get this biomass just get it laid down. down out of the way like yeah. it's so like you say they just and and that same grower actually it's funny this week i you know i was there on tuesday full scouting regimen full like report talk to two different guys from from the from the farm and and then talk with another consultant and have a good plan and this morning i was on the phone with them twice before six o'clock rediscussing the plan from tuesday even like you say bill it changes in a hurry so just can't be afraid to have those conversations you got to do you got to you got to get through them so yeah i think overall it is it is just a a whole different ball game working with cover crops now and and it's more widespread than it was a few years ago so if this learning curve can be kind of steep but at least we've got guys trying stuff and we're learning new things that can work better every time we're rethinking how we establish these cover crops and i think we'll get it figured out i mean it's it's definitely something that you're going to have issues every once in a while or your bad years but the benefits hopefully will always outweigh the the negatives that you have to deal with if you feel like you're flying by the seat of your pants you probably are and it's okay because yeah. that's kind of how this game is played and and that's what weather's the weather is that what makes it fly by the seat of your pants because who would have predicted this year where we got you know in march was it march right it was april when we got those hot days kind of april. started up the rye and then it got colder but the rye was still kind of growing and even that spraying at that time was tricky because it kind of set it back and helped, but at the same time, it really didn't. Into, it was just, and so we're always learning. And that part I do like is, as I do more with, with this, we learn like, well, that didn't really work or, okay, we were a little early or here we were too late or let's try this plant and green at this you know stage or something like that. So I think that that part of it, like Max says, this taming of the cover crop, you got to understand that it's okay to not, there, there's no like one size fix all, all the time. Right. But know what on your farm, you know, maybe the plan A, plan B, plan C, and just be okay to go switch to plan B and then be okay with switching to plan C. I think we might be on and, plan Q in a couple of yeah. situations already, <laughs> but we'll, whatever it takes. When we get to Z, we'll just start back double A, double B, you know? Well, and I think two of what we've seen in some instances is, the train wreck scenario that you feel like it's a train wreck and you're going into it and you're like, ah, oh, this wasn't ideal, but we got to do something. A lot of them do turn out okay. And <laughs> I, I, I and think about those times when I was asking you guys for help after every decision I made. Yeah, I remember those train wrecks. And for some reason, the pile was still big in the fall and the cows still made milk. We got through it. But that That is a great point, Matt, is when you're dealing with cover crops, they do give your soil more buffering capacity to help through dry spells, wet spells. There's more structure there that I remember back to the days of, of train wrecks of lot, a lot of tillage and we'd get crusting. Oh yeah. And it, or lumping it where I remember one year, where's the rotary hole? Pull it off uh, the fence. Oh my God, the worst tool in America. And then you had spots where those crusting was so bad. The rotary hole wouldn't even work. work. And then, you know, years two where you tilled so much and you made golf balls out there yeah, and yep. then they tried planting it and it was just, so that too, like if you think 
there wasn't bad days with some tillage. There stuff was. Too. There was. Yeah. Yeah. So that's we're just we're just familiar with tillage, so we don't notice the train wrecks. Right. 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 Yeah. Well, and then the fix to bad tillage is more tillage, and over time you. Or you hope it just it. rains and rains well, and right, rains and right, rains, right? It's right. like a reset button. Yeah, because right. but then you can't get out there to do anything. But you want it to rain because yeah, keep it moist. Your seed's going to keep going. So that in this way is I've had I've had fields where they've planted the crusting things are a good example. When they plant it, it's beautiful. It looks like a parking lot, and you just feel great about yourself. And then you get a pounding rain, and it crusts, and it was the worst thing to happen. And I've had it where dealing with certain cover crops where you plant and you're like, Poof, I don't know that didn't plant so good, but they always turn out fine. Yeah. You know, most of the time they're fine. So that is a good point that it usually you might not feel great about it, but at the same time you, you did the right thing. But, but by the end of the season, you won't necessarily forget about it, but you'll at you, least feel a lot better about at least getting something done. And yeah, what we do know is it's not going to look as great as a conventional tilled field, right? Early on, right. like we no. know that yeah. it's, not. it's not. So we talked about patience right off the gate. Gate here. Yep, that's get, another. Get it planted, get it sprayed, go on a fishing trip. Right. You, and actually, it's not it. even. It might not even look as good as your neighbor's cover crop. No. Or green planting. Like you guys are doing different things. They're not all the same. So don't. You can't compare the two. But by the end of the year, like you said, Max, we always fill the bunk, and it always seems to catch up. It does. Yeah. Yep. All right. So there you go. Considerations for your cover crop. Even if things seem like they're getting out of control, it'll probably be okay. Let's move into our spotlight for today then. All right. This year is the 76th Alice in Dairyland. The finals are taking place this weekend at the Grand Geneva Resort and Spa in beautiful Walworth County. There are two opportunities for public to attend and learn more about the six top candidates. So Friday, May 12th, for $30, you can see the Wisconsin Products presentation and meet the candidates. Uh, it's from 5 to 7 p.m. at the Grand Geneva. And on Saturday is the kind of final day of everything. They're going to have a banquet and an announcement. The finale takes place. Uh, from 5 to 6, there's a social hour. Dinner is 6 to 7.15. Finale is 7.30 to 9. And they will announce the winner for the 76th Alice in Dairyland. And that's also at the Grand Geneva in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. And that one's $50 to attend. And why are we talking about this? Why is it our spotlight? Well, we've got a vested interest in this year. Our own Jody Weiland is one of the top candidates. So here's a little bit from her. where my passion for agriculture started because of my parents, David and Lori. I grew up on my family's dairy farm with three older siblings. After completing a degree in agronomy from Fox Valley Technical College, I started my career as an associate consultant with Tilt Agronomy. I currently coordinate two local youth leadership programs, including Miss Rural Winnebago, which highlights Winnebago County's strong agricultural industry I am honored to be a candidate for the 76th Alice in Dairyland, and I aspire to continue to share the stories within Wisconsin's agricultural industry while being a friendly resource for all demographics. Some of the unique qualities that I can bring to the position range from a variety of hobbies that I do, including photography, all the way to the experiences I've had in production agriculture, whether that was in agronomy, 
cranberries, ginseng, potatoes, and more. All right. So good luck to Jody this weekend. We're all pulling for you here at Tilt Agronomy. Let's go. Was she, go, Jody. Was she nervous? Stuff the ballot box. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do we get, is this, is there like an online vote or do you no, get to vote? I no, no. I actually have a, it's like the, okay. it's like the, the Hall of Fame vote. I actually have a vote. You so, do? Yeah. Okay. I got my letter in the mail. I'm going to do a Tom Verducci sad video about how people don't take their voting seriously anymore. <laughs> I think she was both nervous and excited oh, yeah. when I That's talked good. to her. That's good. Yesterday. You always got to be a little nervous to show you care, but not right. too nervous yeah. that you're going to just... It's been right. like 10 weeks of stuff, so I think there's a level of like, like just want to be done with some of that too. So are they already judged on like certain things? Yeah. Or is it all... On yeah. The, okay. The, there's a final judging got it. Saturday, but they've... And I think that's got to be part of the, the anxiety for all the candidates is you do stuff and then it's like a couple weeks and then you do more stuff and... Like it's spread out over so sure. much time that it's not just like nope. There's one night we right. show up, we give her all, and we're done. Done. Yeah. No, like F F A state officer, I believe was just one day. I think when I tried to do it, and I, you had you had humble, stuff. Humble bef- brag, state you had officer. Stuff, I, no, I never. No, I took second. <laughs> um, First loser. Yeah, <laughs> it was not. It, th- there was some stuff ahead, but not. It wasn't like this where you're doing a lot ahead, I feel like. When you said we had a vested interest in this, we do. Like, we have watched this process. Yeah. I haven't. We haven't gone through it. Don't get me wrong. We have not done it, the work that Jody has. But we've been lucky enough to watch this process go on. It's a lot of effort to get to this point. Like, oh, yeah. It's impressive. I just, Alice Dairyland was just the nice lady in the sash. Like, no, there's a lot of work behind the it. The corn SUV. The corn, the corn, corn mobile, I mean, yeah. That is just awesome. Cooler car. Oscar Mayer Wienermobile or the Allison Dairyland Cornmobile? Uh, I would like to see them join forces and have a corn cop mobile. <laughs> corn cop mo- Corn dog mobile. Like what in Bondwell? Oh, in Bondwell before the corn fest, yeah, they've they had got this corn, like, car. corn car yep. thing. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Do they have to fill that with E eighty five? I have no idea. Like, I wonder what you the, should. Like I, it's it, got it the actually stickers. runs on pure ethanol. It's got this yeah. <laughs> E one hundred. No, it's got the eighty five like sticker and everything. And I thought you would think they should, right? Did, that would yeah, be like it's interesting. that. That what constitutes an Alice in Dairyland scandal is <laughs> see her at the pump and she's filling up with regular. No, there's only ten to fifteen percent ethanol in that. Uh, all right. Good luck to all, but especially Jody. Yeah, look forward to see what the results are next week. Now we'll move into our Ag History Minute. All right, so this week we're looking at a historical find that happened just recently in a Wisconsin, in a uh, soybean Ooh. field, not Wisconsin soybean field. But. Ooh, Max found a French fry in the middle of the field. Is it that? Is it, yes. yes. Is yep. it the historical French fry? It's, it's a caterpillar-like French fry. Nope. Uh, so this year... Jim Bristol and Trent Satterwaite hit the honey hole, the bullseye, the mother load when they dropped a backhoe bucket eight feet below mature beans and f- felt the machinery groan and shift. They struck a massive prehistoric beast in the blue clay and released the creature from its 15,000-year sleep. Unfortunately, not a T-Rex. It was a woolly mammoth. So they found a skeleton underneath their field. Um, mammoth and my soybeans is the find of a lifetime, according to Bristol. 
But even now, when I'm driving or walking the field, I can't help but wonder what else is down there. So they dug up this and then got a nice picture here. It looks like a pretty good intact skeleton. You got the both the tusks kind of hanging out here off of the, what I'm assuming is the head in the picture. So it's pretty sweet. Yeah. So they're in uh, southeast Michigan is where the bones were located. They bought the land in 2015, and, yeah, it's pretty cool. What, what was he, de- like, fixing tile? That's kind of what it looks like. Okay, because I was just wondering were, why you're... No, like, they were he burying was, a catch basin. He, he was, with he was verifying bedrock. Oh, yeah. brother. It says they were burying a 32-inch catch basin. Oh, sure, like a... Yep, yep. so they were digging the hole and... Ran into something that made the equipment kind of give some pause. So what's crazy is how intact it is, even though they hit it with an excavator. And like you think about it, they pull when they dig like dinosaur bones and stuff out. They like don't even dig; they brush, <laughs> it, brush away. it. Yeah. And these guys are like, "Nah, we hit hit her with the excavator, but well, she's all right." At first, when you hit it, you wonder. You know, they probably just thought it was an old colorful clay tree tile roots. or tree, yeah. yeah, or some buried. Rock or something that was too big to mm, fiber optic. <laughs> yeah, just look at how how small those people look next to that. Oh, things huge. Tusks. Yes. Yeah. Uh, nine foot tusks, which were still attached. Uh, the remains belonged to an adult male that was estimated to be in its mid forties, six to seven tons in weight. What? And oh. would have been thirteen to fourteen feet tall at the shoulder. So not a tiny animal by any means. He changed his farm name over this. Did you see that? Is it Mammoth Farms now? It was Generation Acres, and now it's Mammoth Acres, Chelsea, Michigan. So that's that's Did, quite the move. I do I do like the picture of them trying to like excavate it out. You see the they're in down in just this well, mud slop hole. Well, if like, they're putting in a catch bait, I mean, they had to have tiled everything above you know, it. Yeah. So it's you're just, just added to right, the slop. You just Put that's all that because you can kind of, I think, see the tile under one of the guy by the one guy's leg. Well, that's part of the map. This, I don't know. This is yeah. another one of those things like in the movies, you always see them, they're in some desert in Egypt, like <laughs> brushing, brushing sand away. And these guys are in some freaking like wetland soil in Michigan, just slopping around. You can tell it really had an impact on him because they asked what the soybeans yielded. He's like, I don't remember the number. But I promise you, we got in there fast, and the number wasn't too bad. So it distracted him from remembering the exact <laughs> yield, even from the field. So you love to see it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. All right, thanks, Matt. Thank you to all our listeners out there. Please subscribe and tell a farmer friend. This is a perfect time. I even had one farmer this week tell me he's saving up the episodes for when he gets in the planner. He's like, Dad, I, I didn't listen. I'm saving it up. So I'm like, whoa. He's going to binge in the truck. Well, yeah, binge listen. Put them right to sleep. It'll be great. No, so tell a farmer friend. All you got to do is search Tilt Talk Radio and Apple Podcasts or on Android. Download Podcast Attic, Podbean, or Player FM are all apps that are great for listening to all various kinds of podcasts. You can also listen on your computer or smartphone browser. Go to tiltag.com slash podcast. Please follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilt Talk Radio. All right. Thanks, Todd. Now we'll get into our cool beans. That's corny and some current events. So cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. 
This week, our cool beans are Midwest cattle farmers embracing the pea crop. So we've planted peas for cover crop and other things, but a few guys have done more with the peas, and it seems to be on the rise. And the added benefit to this legume cover crop is it can potentially reduce a farm's carbon footprint. So recent years, plant-based meat, milk, cheese, protein bars have emerged. While a majority of these products are derived from soybean or wheat gluten, peas are now making their mark. So the global pea protein market is projected to grow from 465 million in 2021 to more than a billion by 2028. And consumers can expect to see twice as many pea protein products on supermarket shelves by 2028. So it is a growing market. We've had a few guys um, that I know of that have done peas, you know, not a lot of them, but a, they'll work it into the rotation. So it's interesting to see that this this is a growing market. It, it's crazy when you, you dig into this article a little bit and read like some of the dollar amounts that this can generate and all that kind of stuff. This goes from like a, Oh yeah, toss toss fifteen pounds in with that alfalfa seeding and whatever. To no, nah, this is going to be like a legit crop in the coming years. It seems like yeah, and, and the value, like you say, is is high. I mean, the guys that do it, there's a reason they keep it in the rotation. It's the, some of these canning crops can pay pretty good bucks. Did you know that they're making Cheetos out of peas? Yeah, pedos, dude. Pedos. Those are got to be interesting well i've had these uh soybean crisps like it's a they call them green cheetos it's like okay. a air fried soybean basically and like are those pretty not yeah, bad not bad yeah not bad green cheetos baby yeah junk f- i like the tagline for the pitos junk food taste made from peas <laughs> but yeah they expected growth uh peas rose to a 27-year high in 2021 as a result of weather-reduced yields. So we're kind of at the I got more top market yields this year than ever that they've got a like a pea contract with a local um, what are you vegetable production company? Canning company. Thank you. Yeah, and then they're going to see down alfalfa after. And that's worked really well. I've heard from a couple guys. They've oh, yeah. never been contacted by the canning company before, and they're right. getting and they're getting calls and yeah. questions and yep. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's interesting because you know before the the risk of that was you know passing on the the crop and ending up with a whole field of peas. And not that that's still not a concern. No, but, the, but they'll pay you for it. They'll still, still pay you. Yeah, and that's how many how many times you get that? Like, oh yeah. We're just not going to harvest it, but we'll still pay you. Imagine, imagine how good that is for your soil. Like to get paid, and you leave all that out there, all that nice legume. Oh. Yeah. And how many times do they go in to harvest those peas when conditions aren't ideal and just yeah, <laughs> smash the field. field apart? Well, we don't think about the negatives on the cool <laughs> pea beans. Pea on the cool beans are only on the cool part. Better. Yeah, yeah. We'll hope for that not to happen. All right, now right, that's corny this week. Uh, Bayer announced 10 regional seed brands that will move to the channel seed portfolio. And most of them are, I would say, not very common in our area except for one. Uh, Young Seed Genetics will be moving into the channel portfolio. 
The rest of them I didn't see. Is it, yeah, Young's is the only one that's sold in Wisconsin. Anything There's, else? Yeah, really it lists where so where they're from, like Gold Country Seed is a Minnesota one, like a big one there. So they're all kind of the one that's big biggest all over is Hebner Hebner Hubner 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 Seed yep. is in is in almost like ten states. So it's interesting of what they're you know we have Channel sold in Wisconsin in Jungs and now. Yeah, basically, it's going to be all under channel. And I'm assuming a lot of these other ones, places had channel, and now they're, you know, we're kind of losing these other companies. Jung, that name's been around forever, too. That's what to yeah. me is more interesting about it is because just the, like, how long that one's been around. And, and a lot of these other names, I'm sure, too, have been around a long time. That yeah, looks like the big change will happen in 2025. So for now. This year and next year, they'll still be kind of under the same management for, for a little while yet. Um, and, yeah, it covers a lot of states that, like you said, that Hubner or Hubner, or however you pronounce it, is in Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Virginia, New York, New Jersey, Delaware, Maryland, Connecticut, um, Kruger in Iowa, Lewis, Missouri, Iowa, or, or Missouri, Illinois, and Kansas. North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota for RIA hybrids. So yeah, that's a lot of a lot of states, a lot of the Midwest affected by some of these changes. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully, it won't impact the quality of the product or the customer service the farms receive. But you never know when things move to a different company. There can be a lot of changes. I brought up my favorite chart from. Oh boy! I know she would redo who, it. But yeah, the who owns what seed? The and all seed that. and yeah. the so seed there, it was a Michigan State professor put it together. It's from 2018. And he's got ones before that that showed, you know, who owns what. So you got you know like your your Bayer and Corteva and all those names. And this like took away like just a whole branch of stuff, you know. And we and we've already lost a lot of other branches with the Corteva thing. So yeah, it's just. Be neat if, if that professor had updated now because it would look way different. Sure, See, from continued consolidation. Yeah. All right, now we'll wrap things up with our Field Good Friday. So this week we're looking to the west a bit. Colorado's right to repair law could save farmers time, money, and spur local business. So out there in Colorado, they've loosened the grip of manufacturers on farm equipment repairs which could lower costs for farmers and let independent mechanics pull in a little bit of the market share. Uh, Going to return a lot of money to the farmer's pocket and reduce the burden that they suffer, according to Joe Van Wy, Policy and Outreach Director for Farm Action. said the right to repair law goes into effect January in 2024. They require manufacturers to make manuals, parts, computer codes, and other information available for others to use. I think we've all heard the complaint before, like, yeah, you know, got a problem with my tractor, but I can't do anything with it. I got to take it somewhere, and then tech has to be available and whatever, and hopefully this can kind of, instead of a 15-minute fix that takes two weeks to get done, because you got to get it there, wait, and then get it back, we can hopefully try and, guys can be able to fix some stuff on their own, which I think most guys like to tinker just a little bit, so. Yeah, I mean, it all depends on the severity of the repair, and but a lot of a lot of the things I think these bills are targeting is stuff that the average person could do pretty easily or at least someone with a 
fairly mechanical mind, which a lot of farmers are. Or someone who knows how to look things up on YouTube. Also yeah. that. Yep. If you don't know how to fix it, YouTube does, baby. No matter what you want to fix. YouTube's YouTube's got it. There's a video for uh, everything. You can never be in over your head as long as you got your phone. You know what I mean? (laughs) All right. Well, that'll do it for this week. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. So today we talked taming cover crops and how to manage plans A through Z when it comes to changing how you're managing those cover crops in season. Our spotlight this week was the 76 Allison Dairyland Finals. Good luck, Jody, and we'll see you. Look forward to seeing the results this weekend. Egg History Minute. We talked about soybean farmers making a huge discovery, literally, in their field of a woolly mammoth remain. Cool beans this week. Midwest Californers are embracing more peas in their rotation. That's corny as Bayer announcing a change in how they're managing seed brands over the next couple of years. And Field Good Friday was Colorado will have their right to repair law in place within the next year. So thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming.